Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, isn't he good? Isn't he good? Man, he's a good, faithful father, and he's here to meet with us. He's here to move in our lives. It's not a theoretical thing. God is here because he loves you. We don't have to woo him. He loves you. We don't have to try to manipulate him to meet with us. He loves you. Father, I pray right now in your presence that you will do your work. Lord, let all distractions pass away. Lord, with every person that's coming in here with different different things in their life, Lord, you're here to meet with us, whether it be a physical need, Lord, whether it manifests that they need healing or financial, whatever it is, or spiritual or emotional, Lord, you are our healer. You are our supplier. You are our, you are our source of life. Father, glorify your name today in this place. In your mighty name. Get me out of the way. Lord, the last thing your church needs is uh, another guy with a microphone. We need you, Holy Spirit. Do a work today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going I'm to read some testimonies and share some testimonies with you. Is that all right? Man... God is doing something in his church and it's a powerful work. And and, and I I talk to pastors all the time and and I get to hear testimonies all the time of, and God is pouring out his, like, I, I don't, I don't know if we understand the gravitas of the time that we're living in, but this is the last days, and the, and, and the Bible tells us explicitly that in the last days he will pour out his spirit. And I believe what the Lord's been really laying on my heart it is, is the outpouring that's happening right now and that's going to happen in this, in this body of believers and in the big C church is like nothing the world has ever seen. And, and I, I just, I, I hear testimonies of people getting healed. Like people supernaturally are getting healed. And, and, and it's not just the big things. I'm going to read a testimony uh, in just a moment. But it's like every, every time, if the Lord's healed you of a toothache, that's a big deal. <laughs> and and, and if, we're, if we're not faithful to sharing all the stories, I, I, I just want to testify about God's goodness. Here at C1, we celebrate Jesus. We live in community and we share our story. And so um, I, I want to share a story about Miss Emily Tosh. Um, for a couple weeks leading up to last Sunday, she was having migraines every day. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a migraine. But they're not quite a headache. They're worse. They're like way worse than a headache. They, they honestly, some doctors, uh, they, they don't really know what it causes them. And, and they cause weird things. For me, when I get a migraine, I get them like probably every six weeks or so. Um, I believe that God's not going to let me have another one. That's why I'm praying, because when I get them, like, 
I, I, my light affects me. I have to go lay down in a dark room, and then I have a brain fog for like two or three days. I'm practically useless for two or three days. And Amy's like, you're useless way more than that. <laughs> but, but like, they affect different people differently. Like, Miss Emily, she, she, um, she loses her, uh, her peripheral vision. It, it, when she gets a, um, and like and sometimes, uh, doesn't she get nausea w- with them? And so she was having them every day, and she's been on prescription drugs, all sorts of stuff. But she stepped out in faith, and we prayed, and it wasn't like, you know, the Holy Spirit hit or anything. It was just like, the Lord just laid on my heart to say, hey, you know, you're just going to notice that you haven't been having headaches, and this is a week later. And seven days straight, she hasn't had a headache. So let's give Jesus some praise. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's God. And then, you know, a couple, a couple weeks ago, we, we prayed for a lady that was, um, and that was diagnosed with cancer. And Amy kind of shared a little bit of the testimony. And I asked her to write it out in her own words. And I, I want to read her testimony. And um, she asked to... Um, she asked to remain anonymous, so I'm not going to share any names, but I'm going to read her testimony in her own words. Almost 10 months ago, soon after turning 44, I began my battle with cancer. My doctors confirmed three malignant tumors in my right breast, and my life became consumed with decisions and chemotherapy, radiation treatment, prescription medicines, and various types of surgery that might prove the most effective in various circumstances or various scenarios. With all of that buzzing in my head, I still had to find the balance to balance a home life without worry and fear so that my young daughter wasn't affected by the unknown, but at the same time prepare for the worst. For the last year and a half, the Lord had already been preparing me in so many ways. So upon the completion of my surgery and extensive radiation treatment, we took a break to celebrate our success in Tennessee. But my heart was still troubled because I still had a few more tests awaiting me upon my return. There were still a few small tumors on my left side that they weren't concerned about 10 months prior, but we were waiting to see if anything had changed. So Tennessee became a place of refuge a place where Yahweh began whispering his greatness through strong church communities and humble connections. And then the Lord used Pastor Ryan as his hands and feet to be part of my miracle. And I I remember praying with her, and and I just remember saying, I think God's about to hit you. And I, I, I honestly did not feel anything. And sometimes we feel like we have to feel the presence of God for God to use us. We don't. And, and I, I, like she said, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit burned through me like a cold fire light. And it felt like it was destroying every single cancer cell in my body. I became so weak I almost collapsed, which is not something I have ever felt in service before. The Lord drained away the worst fears out of me, and he began to fill the empty spaces with his love. It was just a brief moment in time, but it was a beautiful moment. And his message was loud and clear. Persevere through tribulation, 
brings us to maturity. His plan for me had never changed. I just need to trust him with it all. So when I got back home from Tennessee and did not I and did the follow-up MRI and mammograms, it came it all came back clean. No residual problems in the surgical area on the right side and absolutely no signs of any tumor on the left side. Ten months prior, it was there, but no longer. God is so good all the time, and all the time God is good. Thank you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, for believing in a God who can do all things. He is glorious and amazing and so worthy of all of our adoration. Let's give Jesus some praise. Thank you, Jesus. You are a good, good, faithful God. He is a mighty God. A mighty God. And man, he, this is not theoretical stuff. I know we just got through a series on the, the gifts of the Spirit, but these gifts are there to encourage one another, to help one another. But today, I didn't want to just wrap up the gifts of the Spirit and then not wrap up the rest of the chapter because there's strategically the Holy Spirit placed a section of Scripture after the gifts of the Spirit on purpose. And I want to, today, I'm, I'm kind of doing a standalone, but a follow-up to the series that we just got through. And we're going to wrap up the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the title of my message today is Bodybuilding. And so let's look at how Jesus bodybuilds, because he does. The human body has many parts, but, they, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And the cool thing is the Holy Spirit is given without measure. So there's not a point in your life where like, you're drained of the spirit. No, he, God gives the spirit without measure. Some of us, oh, okay. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And I want, I want us to read this together. And, come on, God has put each part just where he wants it to be. So let's try that again without it going crazy on us. And God has put each part just where he wants it. You are right where God wants you to be. Some of us need to tell, we just need to wake up in the morning and say, I'm right where God wants me to be. And just declare that over yourself. He put you there. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. 
In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Hence why we're all wearing clothes. While the more honorable parts do not require special care. So God has put the body together. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Honestly, how would you guys brush your teeth without hands? You care for your teeth with your hands and your arms. And if, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If anyone has ever stepped on a Lego, you understand that when your foot suffers or you get up in the middle of the night and that pinky, I don't know if it's just science or what, but how your pinky toe can grow about 10 inches at night and you just stub it on everything. But when your pinky toe gets smacked by something, I'm pretty sure your ancestors feel that. Your whole body suffers. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Like, you know, like, have you guys ever had like a, just a bowl of ice cream that just hit home and you just, and your tongue is getting to experience it, but like every bite you're just like, ah, oh. your whole body, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Not a part, a part. Here are some parts of God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. And are all apostles? No. Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So, this is that scripture we referenced several times in the last series. He says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We should. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Do you guys know what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is? Anyone want to take a stab at it? It's called the chapter of love. And he goes in, starting out the chapter, he says, if I could speak in 10,000 words in tongues of angels, but I have not love, I'm nothing but a resounding gong. If I can prophesy and make known all the mysteries of God, but I have not love, I'm useless. He wraps up this whole chapter of Gifts of the Spirit, the body of Christ, and he's saying the most important thing as a body is we love one another. We operate in love. And then he gives us that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it is not, you know, like he goes through this whole list of what the love of God looks like. Love always hopes, it always endures, it always perseveres, love never fails. 
And then he, you know, he goes, these three remain. You know, when everything else passes away, when tongues pass away, when miracles pass away, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. That's 1 Corinthians 13 in a nutshell. That's the greatest thing. But today I want to talk about the body. Because I, I, I can't help but think the Holy Spirit was strategic when he had Paul pen this. Paul, didn't, Paul was just writing to the church, but we know that the Holy Spirit inspired this. And, and the Holy Spirit is so deliberate and strategic with everything he does in our life. And it's no coincidence that he talks about the body after the gifts of the Spirit. And, and I think the reason why is because some of us, we can get this idea in our head that when we see people operating in the gifts of the Spirit or we see, you know, we can almost think of that person higher than we should. Like, oh man, I wish I was that spiritual. If you knew how unspiritual most people were, you wouldn't think that. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, like, you, <laughs> I, I'm constantly blown away every time the Lord uses me. Friday night, I stayed up to 2 a.m. playing video games. That's not spiritual. Like, oh my goodness, he is such a child. I know! It's mind-blowing! Like, I was so confused. I didn't realize it was that late. My son walks past me going into our room like he always does. I'm like, what time is it? I thought it was like 1030. I'm like, way up past my bedtime. The fact that I'm awake right now after staying up two days ago that late is a miracle. I go to bed at 930. So what I'm getting at is we can, we can get this hierarchy and we can think, they're, they're oh, man, you have to be like a pastor. You have to be super, you know. No, that's not the case. And Paul goes into this. We are the body. We each have a part. And so I, my, my first thought for you today, I have three thoughts. God has made you a part, not a part. A part means you're separated. God has made you a part. That means you are a part of his body. I, I want you to think about this. That means in order to be a, this, I'm, I'm not a biologist. I'm, I'm going to steal that line from our new Supreme Court justice. But I'm not a biologist. But I, I, I will say this. When a part of the body is connected to the head, you identify it as the body. So who's the head of the body? Jesus. Jesus is the head. And so if, if you took and cut my arm off, which I would prefer if you didn't, if that arm was laying right over here and I had the rest of my body minus my right arm, it's over there, where would you say my body is? It's right here. This is my body. Why is it my body? Because it's connected to the head. What would you call this thing laying on the ground over here? An arm. It's lost its identity because it was no longer connected to the head. Correct? So when God makes you a part, a part of his body, he's not just, oh, it's, it's not theoretical. You, your identity changes when you connect to the head. In fact, even if you get decapitated, Know what they identify? <laughs> the head. <laughs> that, 
The head gives you identity. The head gives you purpose. It's the head that dictates to every other part of the body what we should be doing, how we should be doing. It's the head. And so when, when God has made you a part, he's saying, I want to give you a new identity. When God looks at us, he no longer sees me a, as me. He sees me as Christ because I'm a part of the body. I might be that toenail that's always giving you trouble, but I'm still a part of the body. And because I'm a part of the body, I'm identified with the head. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God has made you a part of his body. And, and you need to quit thinking of yourself as anything less than a child of God. When God gives you, and when he makes you a part of his body, God sees Christ. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your scars. Man, I have scars all over my body. But it's still a part of me. People recognize me not by my scars. They recognize my face. Have you guys ever seen that person from behind and you're like, man, I think I know them. And you're like trying to see their face. I, I can't be the only creepy person in here. <laughs> like, you know, like when you, you're like, I think I know that person, but you can't quite see their face and you can't, and you don't want to call their name out in public just in case you're wrong. And, and I, I've done that. I'm like, Susan, and you wave and it's not them. And so people turn to look at you like, because you, you can't quite see their face. The face, the head gives identity. And God has given you new identity in Christ. He has made you a part. And, and not one part is less than another. I think it's interesting that in the human body, the parts that we don't see are actually the most, are the most valuable parts. Like, really, you can live without an arm. You can live without a leg. You can live without some of your internal organs, but you cannot live without a heart. And, and honestly, it, what's interesting about the heart is no one thinks about it until they have heart problems. And, and when, when you look at a person, you don't think, I wonder if they have a good heart. <laughs> like, you don't think that. Like, you, you don't give the, the, the physical heart, but you know the heart is probably your strongest muscle. And it's the most necessary muscle probably in your entire body. And the reason why is because it, it carries oxygen to every part of your body. And so did you know the human heart can lift 60 tons over the course of 24 hours? If, if you connected that pump, your heart, to a bladder that was under like a 60-ton slab, and it just pumped. It has enough. It, it can pump 60 tons up four inches over 24 hours. Your heart is strong. But it's not seen. But you know, you know what happens to me a lot? Is we were talking about bodybuilding. Like the other day I was at the gym. This guy walks past me and goes, ugh. I'm like, I have never done that in my life. Apart from like messing with my son. I'm like, Peyton, flex for daddy. And he'll, he'll flex and it's so cute. And then he was like, I'll beat you up. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know you'll beat me up. You have. Um, 
But like this guy walked past me because like, what, what did this guy at the gym, he saw the parts of my body that aren't necessary. My arms. I, I would say my legs, but it's different. I skipped leg day for a decade. So we give value to things that aren't necessarily valuable, but at the end of the day, we're all equally part of the body, and God has made you a part. If you don't feel valuable, your identity is in Christ. It's not in you. If you're connected to the head, your identity is in Christ. And not only has God made you a part of his body, the second thought I want to give you is God has made a part for you. I want you to grab this. You're not just a part of his body. God has made a part for you in his body. He has a specific role he wants you to play. I think that this is why this moment right here, verse 18 hits it. And we read it together. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. God has put you right where he wants you. God has made a specific role for you to play in the body of Christ. And this is where it gets kind of sticky because sometimes we want other people's roles. And that's why Paul was saying it would be so dumb for an ear to say to an eye or a, or a, eye to say, or, or a head to say to a foot because we have different roles. The ear has a role. It hears. The eye has a role. It sees. The nose has a role. It smells. And sometimes the feet have a role. They smell too. But... We, we each have a role, and we can look at like, oh, well, that person's always getting to do that, and we can kind of get jealous, and we can lose sight that God has made a specific part for you. He has, a, he has made you a part of his body, and then he has, a, he has made a part for you in his body, and it's a role for you, and, and, and that's why it's so dangerous for the the, the body of Christ to compare within itself. Because I'm not you and you're not me. God has a beautiful purpose for you. And, and, and Paul wraps this chapter up saying, are we all apostles? Are we all, do we all have these same gifts? No, we don't. And maybe you feel like you've never even, like I've never even been used in the gifts. That's okay. You still have a specific role. The gifts of God do not make you more holy or less holy. They don't make you a more of a member of the body or a less of a member of the body. They're there to edify one another and to encourage one another and to help one another. God has a part specifically made for you that only you can fulfill. Have you guys ever seen people walking on their hands it's kind of awkward and hard to watch, right? And you're like, oh, they're going to tip over. Why? Because your hands are not designed to walk. <laughs> your feet are. And some of us are trying to be like that in the body of Christ. We're trying to do something that God has not designed us to do or be. And we haven't taken time to really wrestle to the ground. God, what is it you want me? What part do you have for me? We see a part and we're like, I want that part. But maybe that's not the part that God has for you. 
And that's okay, because we're all part of the one body, and our identity is in him, in Jesus Christ. And, and so, as I thought about this, I started, like, the Lord just kind of shifted my message from this point forward. Because the thing is, when, when we operate outside our role, we end up, dis, we end up hurting ourselves. We can literally, if, if, if I try to do something, like walk on my hands, I can probably dislocate my shoulder or something like that. Like when we, when we do things that we're not designed to do, we end up hurting ourselves. Have you guys ever tried to use your hand like a hammer? Like I know the guys have, like you're trying to, you're trying to get something in place and you're like whack and trying to whack it into place. Well, there's a reason why they make hammers and not your hand. I've swelled up my hand or, or I've used my knee. I have a bruise this big across my leg right here because I try to use my, my knee as a hatchet to break some wood. And, and I hurt myself because I was using my leg for something it wasn't designed. I, I hurt it. And, and the same is true in the body of Christ. When we try to do something that God has not designed us to do, we can dislocate ourselves in the body. And, and I, I want to read what, 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 what comes to mind is Matthew 22 um, or not Matthew 20, Matthew 14, 22 through 24. I'm going to read. Jesus just got done feeding at least 15,000 people. And it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted. Some translations say this. The NIV says this. Jesus made the disciples. I want you to hear this. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. And cross to the other side. So I'm, I'm going to read it out of my iPad real quick. Sorry. It says, get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While well, he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So... I want you to see this. I, I think that this is a clear indication of how we can dislocate ourselves from where God has placed us. What did, what did verse, say, verse 18 and 1 Corinthians say? But God has put each part just where he wants it. So we step into Matthew 14. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. So where did Jesus put the disciples? In the boat. Where did Jesus want the disciples? On the other side of the lake. Right? But he wanted them in the boat, going to the other side of the lake. That's where he placed them. He placed his disciples in the boat to go to the other side of the lake. So the story goes something to this effect. The wind and the waves were against it. They were afraid that it was going to sink. And here comes Jesus walking on water, right? And they, they see him, and they're afraid because they think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I, Jesus. And Peter, we know the story, and we've heard it preached so many times, and we, we give Peter all this, oh, he stepped out in faith, got to get out of the boat. And I got to think that's wrong. 
I think, or it's all about stepping out in faith. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I know it's, it's hard to see something with a new lens when you've heard it preached so many other times. Like you can almost like you hear, you hear an opinion and it skews your view of something. But here's the thing. Where did Jesus place his disciples? What instruction? Get in the boat. He made them get in the boat. Where did he tell them to go? To the other side of the lake. What did Jesus say? It is I. Don't be afraid. It's, it's me, Jesus. So he identified himself. And then Peter asked a question. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. What do you think Jesus is going to do? Gotcha! It's not me. Peace out. No, Peter pigeonholed Jesus. He literally pigeonholed Jesus. What was Jesus supposed to do? He's like, all right, since you don't believe me, come to me. And Peter, this is going to ruffle some feathers, he stepped out of where he was supposed to be. He stepped out in disobedience. He stepped out to try to do it his own way. He probably still wanted to get across the lake because he didn't want to be in the lake anymore. It was like, dude, they're afraid they're going to sink. They're, I mean, it, it was, the wind was against him. And it's not a very big lake. It's like seven miles by five. I mean, it's not a big lake. And these guys have fished it their whole lives. But we've been told our whole lives that Peter stepped in faith. If anything, he walked on the word. Jesus said, come, and he stepped out because Jesus said, come. But he should have never asked the question. The whole reason he asked the question is because he didn't believe Jesus the first time. And so he stepped out. And what, what did verse 18 say again? And God has put each of us just where he wants it, wants us to be. God has placed you right where he wants you. God put the disciples right where he wants How do we dislocate ourselves in the body? When we try to do it our way. When we quit believing the word of God. Peter did not believe the word. And he stepped out in disobedience. God already gave him instruction. I know, like, you just lost me, Ryan. I've heard this preached. You tell me every... I'm, I'm just saying, go read it for yourself. Jesus put them in the boat. He told them to go across the lake. That did not change. In fact, there's nothing about what he said to them while he was walking on water indicated that he wanted them to join him because he already gave them explicit instruction. Get across the lake. And so... Peter, being, I can relate to him so much, he tried to do it his way. And guess what? The grace of God is so, it's so good that God will allow you to have success for a little bit in your own strength. But whenever you try to do something your way, your eyes will get off of Jesus. And you will start thinking it was all on you. And you will start looking at the storm. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. He tried to do it his way. He, he said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus is like, well, I'm not a liar, so come to me. Peter steps out of the boat. He pigeonholed Jesus with this question. Jesus didn't have an option, really. And so in, in Jesus' grace, he allowed Peter to step out and have success walking on water. That's pretty cool. I, I think that's pretty cool. But whenever we do it our way, we will always fix our eyes on the storm. 
Guess who the disciples are still looking at that were on the boat? Jesus. Guess who got rebuked for a lack of faith? Peter. And, and I think what's interesting is I, my whole life, I've read this section of scripture that when Jesus reached out and grabbed his hand and helped him up because he said, Lord, help me. And then he walked with Peter back to the boat. And that, that's the cool thing is God will put you back where he wants you to be. You know, God didn't walk Peter to the shore and then come back for the other guys. No, God's like, Jesus, like, I told you to stay. On, I told you to get on the boat. This is where I put you. Don't try to make shortcuts. Don't try to make shortcuts in, in the plan of God for your life. And, and, and Peter got relocated. He got, uh, you know, have you ever had a joint go out of place? Um, he, he got rejointed, so to speak. Back into place where he was supposed to be. And Jesus said, you a little faith, why did you doubt? And my whole life I thought, he's obviously talking about why he sank. I personally believe that he is talking about why did you get out of the boat? Why did you get out of where I placed you? Why did you step out? Why did you not believe me? You a little faith. Guess what? All the other disciples did not get rebuked. What did they get in this story? Go read it. It's in Matthew 14. They got revelation and they got to worship. They stepped, he, Jesus stepped in the boat. He calmed the storm. And what happened? They said, truly, you are the son of God. They got to re see the glory of God. I mean, Peter, got, in, in God's grace, got to see it too. But, and then they fell and worshiped Jesus. They got revelation. And they didn't get rebuked. Peter is the only one that got rebuked in this scenario because he stepped out of the boat. Because that's not where God placed him. God it says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake. Sometimes, and I preached it. Oh, man, Peter stepped out in faith. He, step, he stepped, maybe in stubbornness, stepped in pigeonholing Jesus, but that's not where God placed him. And some of us are trying to operate where God didn't place us. God has a part made for you in the body. A specific role. Just like the disciples had a specific role. Row. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's going to be smooth sailing. He just said, get to the other side ahead of me. And here's the, here's the avenue of how you're going to do it. The boat. If Jesus wanted his disciples to walk on water, he would have said, walk to the other side of the lake. But instead, he put them in a boat. And their role in that moment, in that season, was to row. Peter dislocated himself from where he was supposed to be. He put Jesus in a corner with, with his question. Jesus allowed Peter to have success for a bit, then Peter sank. If you try to do it your way, that's what's going to happen. I've, 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 I've played basketball through injuries. I've, I've, 
play basketball and I've done things with dislocated joints and I could do stuff. But it just hurts you more in the long run and it will eventually kill you. It hurts to be relocated or to, to, to have your joints pop back. Like I remember the first time I had my knee pop back into place. Words went through my head. They didn't exit my mouth, but they went through my head. I was like, Lord, I need you right now. Oh my goodness, that was pain I've never felt. Those are words I never thought. It hurt. And when God puts you back, it's not necessarily pleasant. Imagine the, what Peter felt. Jesus is, instead of going, hey man, are you all right? He said, where's your faith? Why did you doubt? And then he walked with them. Back to the boat, calmed the storm. He put him back in his place. The other disciples didn't get rebuked. They got revelation and worshiped Jesus. They stayed where Jesus placed them. They, they were in the part. They were doing the part that they were designed to do in that moment. They stayed and struggled where Jesus placed them. Just because Jesus placed you somewhere does not mean there won't be struggle. And sometimes we, we can think that, oh, this struggle is proof this isn't God's will. No, Jesus said, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him. If anything, I think the struggle might be proof that it is God's will. What did Jesus tell his disciples later? He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. They stayed and struggled where Jesus placed them. Why? Because Jesus placed them and told them where to go. God has God has a specific part for you to play. Don't try to be someone else's part. Don't, try, don't dislocate yourself. Be where God's placed you and do what he's told you. And you will get revelation and you will get to worship. And we'll get to glorify God together. And, and maybe you're here today and you're like, Man, I, I've dislocated myself. The good news is, Jesus is really good about reaching out and grabbing you and walking with you and putting you back right where he wants you. He's so good at it. I can't tell you how many times I've I pulled myself out of a, a situation that I knew I was supposed to be in and then I found myself right back in that situation when I finally said, okay, God, I want what you want. He's like, okay. Like, things weren't going easy. And I'm like, I thought that was a clear sign that this isn't the will of God. And then when I finally said, okay, God, I want what you want and surrendered to him, I found myself right back at that same thing. I'm like, oh, well, Lord, let your will be done. And, and, and when, we, when we learn to row, so to speak, and where God's placed us, we will make headway. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. 
And that's how we got to a, where, where God's place is. What did verse 18 say? And God has put each part where he wants it. You might feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose. That's how I felt three and a half years ago. And I still feel like that as your pastor. I'm like, oh man, this is overwhelming sometimes. But one bite at a time, because God's placed me here. God's placed me. And God's placed you. And the last thought I want to leave with you is we need each other. We need each other. The Holy Spirit goes to great lengths in this chapter to establish that we, the body of Christ, need each other, to encourage each other, to build each other, to pray with each other, to hurt with each other, to laugh with each other, to live life with each other. I'm going to read just a few scriptures again. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each where he wants it. How strange would it be if the body only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. In fact, some parts of the body seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Your lungs, your kidneys, you don't think about them, but they're the most necessary. Your heart, your heart is the size of your fist. You don't think about it. It's very necessary. So... And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts of the body that have less dignity. And this makes harmony among the members so that we all, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, we all suffer with it. And if one part is honored, we all are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you has a part of it. And each of you is a part of it. We need each other. And if you feel like, well, I'm not needed. Like, I, I play such an insignificant role. I, 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 no one wants me. That's a lie of the enemy. You are needed. You are needed. And I think this is such a practical illustration because, once again, we can think the Holy Spirit put it after the gifts of the Spirit because we can think about, oh, well, that person's gifted in this or whatever. And like, no, that person's probably just willing to be used by God and so the Holy Spirit uses them. But we could look at that person and think, oh, they're, well, they're definitely necessary. You know, they could prophesy or they can give a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or, oh, they can lay hands on the sick. Oh, they're definitely necessary. No, you, you have a part to play. And we need each other. We need each other. Sometimes you might be giving the word. And what's interesting is I think you, you might say, well, I've never been used in the gifts of the Spirit. That doesn't make you any less part of the body, but I, this is what I think. I think that almost all of us have been used in the gifts of the Spirit and we didn't even realize it. 
I imagine that there are people in here that have prayed for the sick and you never even heard what happened after that. You prayed for them. Well, Jesus said, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. What if they're, they're healed today because you prayed for them and you never heard a testimony? Well, God used you. I bet that you guys have given words of knowledge to people and didn't even know it. You're having a God conversation. I, I, I could think of two times off the top of my head where someone gave me a word of knowledge and they had no idea that the Holy Spirit was speaking through them in that moment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two illustrations. A year ago this month, I was going through a really hard time. It was about a year out after my mom passed away. And quite frankly, I felt weak emotionally. And I just, I felt weak. Like, I just, just, I was trying to keep it together. You know, like certain dates and times just played different. And I was trying to keep it together. I felt weak and I felt so alone. And like, I wasn't alone. I had um, um, my amazing wife, first and foremost, and my children. And the staff, they have, they've been nothing but gracious and loving towards me as, as I walked this process out. But I, I felt that way. Sometimes we can't help the way we feel, feel. And I was in my closet. I was actually hanging up clothes. And it, that was a miracle in and of itself. Amy can attest to that. I was hanging up clothes and I look out of my closet and my daughter, at the time she was five, walks past. We, we, we lock eyes in this moment. And I look at her and she looks at me and I, and I probably said, hi, hi sky bug. And I, I had, you know, my dad facade on. I was trying to keep it together, but I felt so alone. I felt so emotionally weak. Like I, I didn't have anything to give to anyone. And she looked at me. She just stopped. I think she had a doll in her hand, like, a, like a, one of her big dolls. And she just stopped and looked at me, and she said, Dad, I think I need to tell you this. I'm like, oh, what? And I just kind of stopped, and I got down. I was like, well, what's that, honey? She said, when you feel alone, Jesus is still with you. And when you feel weak, Jesus makes you strong. And then she turned and walked out of the room. And it was just like, I just collapsed and started crying. Like she gave a word of knowledge to me and she didn't even know it. It was just like, boom. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. And then there was, a, there was a, a, another time just in like, has my daughter been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit? No, she hasn't. I'm pretty sure the tongue she speaks in is just disrespect. Um, but she hasn't, but the Lord used her. And then another time, like uh, the staff, we went to get ice cream at Hattie, Hattie Jane's and, and Nathan, Emily, and I were, were walking towards uh, Mule Town Coffee um, afterwards. And I don't remember what all we were talking about. I, I just remember, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm not perfect. Um, just, I'm just going to throw that out there. Amy can testify to this. Andy, Nathan can testify. I, I'm not, and I deal with things, 
and I have problems and I feel inadequate. I feel like I beat myself up a lot and I was just having one of those things. I'm just like, I'm really good at wearing those facades of like making, like not to, to, to put on a facade, but like you can't just walk around crying all the time. You have to keep it together. But like the enemy attacks all of us. He does. He, put, he th- puts thoughts in your head, and I have to do warfare all the time. And, and, and I was just having one of those days where I just feel inadequate. And, and I just, you know, those moments in life where you know God is there, but you're not feeling him. That's what was happening. And I just got out of the staff meeting. It was a good staff meeting. We were encouraging one another. And, um, and um, Nathan, I think it might have... It might have been right after you guys moved um, because I remember talking about your house and everything. But I remember Emily just in passing, just, just, she said, Ryan, it, it was something to the effect of God's with you. He didn't send you here to fail. You're, you're, you're doing better than you think. And, and you're not inadequate. It, it was like that specific, like, and, I, and she just said it in passing and, and it was like, and I remember saying to her, I'm like, you just gave me a word of knowledge. <laughs> like, that was for me. And then I said, we're going to make a Baptocostal out of you after all. <laughs> but it was just a passing conversation. I say all that to say that we need each other. You might say, I've never been used. I bet you have. I bet you have been used by God and you didn't even realize it. And that, that's just two examples of, 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 of a gift, but, but we're, we're here for each other in, in more practical ways. The body of Christ is here for each other. Did you know last night we had 40 people stay the night in this church? A youth group traveling back from National Fine Arts, they took, and on the way here from Orlando to Springfield, they stopped, and they've stopped here for three years in a row. And to save them money, to be a blessing to them, we, we let them stay in, in our facility. It's not much. I'm like I said, we have the best floors in all of Columbia. <laughs> but they're like, oh, man, thank you so much. And then, then on top of that, you know, like... Uh, uh, we, we try to, we just want to be a blessing because we need each other. The body needs each other. Man, if we can help a, a church out, you know, like those kids, they have to, I don't know if you guys realize that trips like that cost a lot of money. And when I used to take students, like it would cost a thousand dollars a student because they div- divvy up like the rooms and different things like that. And it's almost like a missions trip. And it, And if we can, help someone. If we had the availability to bless someone, we should be a blessing. But that's, that's just part of being the body of Christ. We are the body and we need each other. We need to speak life into each other. We each have different roles in the body and that is by design. Be a blessing where God has placed you. 
grow where he has planted you. Be like the other 11 disciples in the boat. Stay where God put you until you get where he's taking you. Don't jump ship. I'm not saying don't take a step of faith. I'm not saying that at all. Take steps of faith, but let them be steps of faith that God has laid on your heart. Because you have a part to play. You have a part to play.